0: Yeah, they're all the same, right?
1: Hi there. We're all listening to a random show in fact, on Gaia. While
0: well, I go that for by Gaia. Earth are very very special, and that's um, one of the things that um, I've carried on with uh, looking at in, in my work. And uh, but uh, yeah, and, and other things I think that at present in my little conclusions uh, have not been explained, and I you know right. I will be able to talk about those a little bit more into programme. Why is geometry so
2: important in the scheme of things? Well, that's a very good um, good question. Um,
0: my publishing house wooden books we've been publishing uh the the, the seven liberal arts all, all seven of the seven liberal arts in two volumes now for a few years we we just uh, last year published the Trivium, okay. which is Rentor, Emma, Poetic, Forman, the book we did before that was called quadrivium and that was um the book on on number geometry uh harmony and and mine. Contribution on geometry yeah. and harmony in the solar system. If we go back to the ancient Greeks and uh, we, we uh, look at why they thought these subjects were important, you can see that they were called the liberal arts uh, because they were supposed to liberate mm-hmm. uh, liberate a person, uh, as opposed to the servile arts, which had a had a function, if you like. So, servile arts might have been something like accountancy or anything that had a had a real use in the world was um, one of the servile arts. But the liberal arts alone have no real use uh, as such. According to the the Greeks were seeing it anyway, we, they are in fact quite useful for building things and but essentially they they um they help you understand the way that number yeah. operates in the world. So particularly with that's geometry, that's you've got uh, the fact that number number is uh, number in space is geometry, and you've got number in time as harmony. There seems to be so much order in yeah.
2: the universe. That's what baffles me, how the principles stay the same throughout the entire, th- I mean, the order of the universe is absolutely brilliant.
0: Who developed this? The um, the order of the universe is is quite brilliant. The thing about the the, or- the order of our universe is that it is very, very special. That brings us on to the, uh, the fine U- Unique or special? special like well, it is unique because we've only got the one universe to study, but it is also doubly special. And like what special scientists theory? began to realize um, in the 1970s particularly with a publication of a book called The Cosmological Anthropic Principle, mm-hmm. an early work by Chuckle Brandon Carter, um, was that our universe is very, very, very finely tuned to optimize the chances for biological life. And the more scientists have looked at the universe, the more eerie and strange this fine tuning has, has seemed. Uh, to begin with, people thought they could just explain it away as a series of coincidences. But now, and particularly in the, in the last 15 years, as more and more and more of these fine tunings have been discovered, um, it, it begs the question of, of what what's caused this fine tunings. How how did our universe come into being right? absolutely, completely and utterly optimised with all of its dials? Would you say deep. it's perfect? It is pretty much as perfect as you can get it and you can show lots of examples where if you fiddle with any of the dials, you increase the, the, uh, the mass of the electron or right. reduce the, the, the force of gravity slightly or change any of nature's constants in, in, in any way really um, that life as we know it just really couldn't exist and it's not even that you could get a universe really where very much happens at all, you might get no chemistry, you'd have only hydrogen or helium or just a universe of millions of black all. It is so finely yeah. tuned, some of these parameters if you change them by a factor of 0.0000000001. Uh nothing nothing works. They're really 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 finely tuned. Others others are, they have a range that that they work within. Let's find out a little no, no, bit more no, no. about no. this. Yes, from galaxies and stars down to atoms
3: and subatomic particles. The very structure of our universe is determined by these numbers. These are the fundamental constants and quantities of the universe. Scientists have come to the shocking realization that each of these numbers has been carefully dialed to an astonishingly precise value, a value that falls within an exceedingly narrow life-permitting range. If any one of these numbers were altered by even a hair's breadth, no physical, interactive life of any kind could exist anywhere. There'd be no stars, no life, no planets, no Chemistry. Consider gravity, for example. The force of gravity is determined by the gravitational constant. If this constant varied by just 1 in 10 to the 60th parts, none of us would exist. To understand how exceedingly narrow this life-permitting range is, imagine a dial divided into 10 to the 60th increments. To get a handle on how many tiny points on the dial this is, compare it to the number of cells in your body or the number of seconds that have ticked by since time began. If the gravitational Constant had been out of tune by just one of these infinitesimally small increments, the universe would either have expanded and thinned out so rapidly that no stars could form and life couldn't exist. Or it would have collapsed back on itself with the same result: no stars, no planets, and no life. Or consider the expansion rate of the universe. This is driven by the cosmological constant. A change in its value by a mere one part in 10 to the 120th parts would cause the universe to expand too rapidly or too slowly in either case the universe would again be life prohibiting or another example of fine-tuning if the mass and energy of the early universe were not evenly distributed to an incomprehensible precision of one part in 10 to the 10 to the 123rd the universe would be hostile to life of any kind the fact is, our universe permits physical, interactive life only because these, and many other numbers, have been independently and exquisitely balanced on a razor's edge. John, what are the odds of that happening? That was a great clip, by the way. Yeah. Um, they are really, really small. Um,
0: the latest uh, the latest book on, on the subject, uh, which is co-authored by, it was uh, Greene. And, uh, and Luke Barnes, fantastic book, published by Cambridge University Press. Um, you just get this sense of this thing being almost impossibly unlikely. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, it is beyond belief, it, it really is. Um, which then brings us to the question of, of, of how, how it's achieved. How, how, how come, how, right. how, how, how does this come about? So this is not an accident. This is it, not random. It's clearly, um, it's clearly something going on here. Some people think it is a combination of of randomness and infinity, and so I I can't accept that. No, but it's the standard. It's the standard response to the problem. Is the what they call the multiverse, and there are various different kinds of multiverses. Some are linear uh, and they go on forever. Some some are uh, where universes have babies. Others pop out of a out of a sort of bathtub and they all connect. But essentially, that the idea with those solutions to the to the problem of, of all this beauty, beautiful fine-tuning is that you've just got an infinite number of universes, and of course we live in the one where, where it's all very, very perfect. As I've shown in a moment, uh, that doesn't really hold water when we look at what's going on around the Earth, because although we, it, although for life you need these, there's a necessary- uh, ingredient, inc- Necessary conditions, what we see going around the Earth is not necessary, but it still see, appears finely tuned for, for beauty, in fact. Um, and then there are all sorts of other other solutions to it, to the problem as well, which range from uh, Elon Musk's favourite uh, uh, belief on this is that we live in a simulation. So the reason everything looks so beautiful is that it's uh, essentially a well, simulation. Who's the simulator? Exactly. You get back to the problem of who's the designer who's yeah. done it. Um, aliens built it. It's another another one. Um, another. Yeah, big who thing. built them? Who built them? Where did they come from? Uh, and, uh, and then you've got the the God, God did it. Uh, but if he did it, how did he do it? And so God. Yeah. God.
2: Always was, always will be. That's what my mother used to say. And I used to say, Mom, that's not an answer. <laughs> that's
0: right. None like of like her really answers. And we are in this very interesting interesting point in, in cosmology at the moment that a lot of the cosmologists don't really want to talk about, but it has real echoes of a particular period in, in uh, the previous cosmological journey that mankind took in the medieval period um, where, where the theologians of the day, i.e. the scientists, would, would, would argue about the number of angels that, would, that could dance on a, on a pinhead, and these, these debates are taken very, very seriously, and the greatest minds of the, of the day then would, would discuss these things. We have exactly the same problem now that our greatest thinkers are all coming up with these extraordinary ideas very few of which in fact none of which can ever be tested which we are all asked to believe in in fact they don't even agree with one another because each each uh, scientist has their own pet theory none of which can be tested so we're in a very interesting period in in cosmology and i hope to be able to show uh, uh, a a way a a way through this or or another another take on it what does your gut tell you um, well, uh, that maybe brings us to, to the uh, to the earth. And what I did when I was studying this subject um, was begin to notice, as a result of my, my, my book, of, of Little Book Coincidence, which I really only wrote to complete the, the, the seven books, the, the Liberal Arts Project. But there were certain things in, in that journey that really stuck out like a, like a sore thumb and made me really scratch my head and think, what on earth is going on here? And they didn't really fit in with any kind of necessary thing. Right. And the first one of those um, was this Venus thing that I touched on before. And the odd thing about Venus is, um, she's our closest planet. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got the very, very circular orbit, so it's not like anything that really seems really to disturb her. She spins the opposite way to all the other bodies yeah. in the solar system. Um, and yeah, it's a pretty, pretty nasty place to try and live. But the extraordinary thing about Venus is that she goes around the earth in a Venus. in a pattern that um, yeah. that is a fivefold pattern. So a pattern of Venus's conjunctions around the earth draw this beautiful rose like figure around the earth. And they do this over and she does it over eight years. And the reason you get five, in fact, with Venus a fivefold pattern around the earth, is because of a an eight, 13 resonance between the, the periods of, of Venus and the Earth. So for every and without that number yeah, it wouldn't happen. Would That's it? right. If, if Venus and the Earth weren't in an eight-thirteen resonance, um, then you wouldn't get this five. And in fact, it's a, it, even though even though it's a very quite a tight resonance, it's not really well well studied or, or, or examined by scientists. Mm-hmm. They prefer to look at the uh, the five-to-two resonance between Jupiter. And Saturn. And what does that mean, John? When you talk well, When they've got about it. a resonance, it means for every five times one planet goes around the sun, or, um, then uh, so for Jupiter and Saturn, every five times that, that Jupiter goes around the sun, uh, Saturn's gone around twice. Okay. So with with the eight thirteen resonance, we've got for every every uh, thirteen times Venus has gone around the sun, Earth's done eight. We go eight, and that's why it's. But that that eight thirteen, the, the the number you get in the petals, as viewed from Earth, the number of the conjunctions is the. Difference in the in the harmony. And what if it was nine thirteen? If it was nine thirteen, you'd get a four because the difference in nine and thirteen is four, so you get four petals. Um, but the really interesting thing about this choice of numbers is that they're all Fibonacci numbers. So Earth's the the, the so our systems full of Fibonacci numbers, and Fibonacci numbers are very interesting because they're the numbers that build life on Earth. So here's our. We'll take an example. Um, if you count the spirals on a pineapple you'll get uh, 5, 8, and 13 spirals, depending on which angle of slope of the spiral okay. you, you count. Take another example, human beings, we, we have uh, five teeth in each corner of our mouth as kids. Our infant teeth, five, Yeah, they come out, and then you get eight teeth in each corner of your mouth. That means you've got 13 teeth in each corner of your mouth. Your, your teeth have gone 5, 8, 13. Yeah. All the plants around you are doing 5, 8, 13. Um, Life's all doing 5.8.13, and then the really strange thing is that our closest planet is doing 5.8.13. Why would our closest planet do 5.8.13 as well? Yeah. It shouldn't be. It's a very strange coincidence. There's no reason that that you should get the same numbers being spat out by your by da- being danced out. I mean, by uh, by your closest planet as are the prevailing numbers. That, that somebody, somebody has designed this for a specific reason. It looks it looks
2: uncanny. It's something very strange going on with it. Um, how can they say it's random? Uh,
0: because there's no causal mechanism known to science that could bring bring that about. So for me, it's a double, the Venus thing's a double coincidence. First of all, you've got a very beautiful Fibonacci resonance going on, which in itself is interesting. But the fact you've got that going on around the only planet of biological life that embodies those same numbers is a double coincidence. And the double coincidences of where they start to stack up, and another example of double coincidences for me is, is the simple fact that the, the sun and moon appear the same size in the sky. It's one of those really true, obvious facts. You see that during an eclipse. They're very, they're exactly the same size. They are really, really the same size. They weren't always the same size in the time of the dinosaurs. The moon was closer to the Earth, and she'd be moving further out as time gone by. Which is a, a stage, right? That's right. But right now, at exactly this time, when there are lots of thinking, sentient beings on Earth with telescopes and eyes and brains to think about it, we live in a, a particular epoch where we've got a sun and moon the same size. So I think that's a double coincidence, because it's not only a coincidence that it, that we see it, but it's a coincidence that we see it now when we're that when we're here. So it's a very interesting thing and again it's one of those things you thought well that's just got to be chance hasn't it there can't be any how could you possibly pull it off that you get a sun and moon the same size at exactly the same time that there's a whole sentient species on the earth star yeah. to look at it yeah you've got a trailer from a movie based on your book that's right This is a movie that never got made so i'm very happy to share it we have the trailer you've, got, the you've got some bits from the trailer yeah like... but what we are about to show you is a fact that few modern scientists are even aware of <laughs> let alone able to explain Yet it is something well known to their ancient colleagues, and one of the most amazing coincidences conceivable. Seen from the modern viewpoint, the planets of the solar system orbit the sun. However, we do not live on the sun, we live here, on Earth. And when we look towards the sun from Earth, what we actually see are the inner planets, Mercury and Venus, whizzing around the sun as the sun moves across the stars. The sun is not the center of our observations. The Earth is. Does it not strike you as odd to discover that, as seen from Earth, our closest neighbor, Venus, draws a huge five-fold rosette in space around us in eight years, or 13 Venusian years? Remember that most plants on Earth use the numbers 5, 8, and 13. Well, our closest neighbor is massively beating out exactly these same three numbers in space and time around us. This diagram was known to Kepler and other astronomers hundreds, even thousands of years ago, yet it does not appear in any modern astronomy book. In antiquity, there was a concept known as the harmony of the spheres, also a parallel notion of as above, so below, used by architects to bring cosmic proportions into their buildings. Today, both traditions have been largely replaced by beautiful, complex equations, which perfectly describe the heavenly motions and create computer models of their positions. Yet there are many simple ways of understanding the planetary orbits, which are much more practical and sensible for everyday designers, artists, builders and musicians. We've just seen what Venus does around Earth. Did you also know that each time you pick up three glasses or push three oranges together, you are drawing the average orbits of the first two planets, Mercury and Venus. Or that our two neighbours, Venus and Mars, play out a beautiful three to four rhythm in their close approaches to us? Has anyone ever told you that Mercury plays a more solid one itself? One Mercury day is two Mercury years, during which time it is spun on its own ...exactly um,
1: three times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: There it's, are many more examples. Know, so it's pretty good. Yeah. These residences are understood by modern science, so they're not taught in school. And few people today see the beauty or hear the music of the spheres. John, how long did it take you to decipher them? And
2: uh, come up with those formulas?
0: Um, it took a bit of time. I, it, I would think so. I was working on that. I mean, that's quite old stuff now. Some of that's uh, even slightly out of date because scientists do understand uh, some of these resonances now, um, but they don't understand all, other bits of it. But yeah, it, it was uh, it was a long it's been a long journey, and um, and the journey's not over not over yet. No, but now tell me the significance. Yeah. When you say one mercury this, one mercury, yes. what does that mean?
2: Um, essentially, to I- us, to a guy who doesn't.
1: Turn of Edgar Casey with win free. This is what I was looking for. Okay. Shout out to KMP Student Radio and KPYT Pasco Tribal Radio and the Reds with Trista Show. She's on Arizona.
2: Who was Edgar Casey? Edgar Casey has been called the father of holistic medicine. The sleeping prophet, Hi. and the most documented psychic of the hey. 20th
4: century. <laughs> Casey was born on a farm
2: in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, in 1877. His psychic abilities began to appear in childhood when he was able to talk to his deceased grandmother. Later in life, Casey found that he had the ability to lay down and place his mind in contact with all time and space, the universal consciousness, and respond to questions which he did nearly every day for an astonishing 44 years. The result was an incomparable collection of data that came to be called readings, and their insights offer practical help and advice to individuals even today. Well, welcome to Beyond Belief. You know, when I was a young man, I was fascinated with the life of Edgar Casey. Read books on Edgar Casey, studied Edgar Casey, and who would believe that later on in my adult life I would come across an individual who he too was interested in the life of Edgar Casey. So much so that lecturer and interdimensional researcher Winfrey wrote a book called The Reincarnation of Edgar Casey. When you hear who that person might be, you'll be fascinated. Wynn, welcome to Beyond Belief. Thank you, George Green, for having me. This is a fantastic book, by the way. You did your homework. I did. I did. Let's talk a little bit about Edgar Cayce. To some people who are listening and watching us right now who say,
5: Who was this guy? Who was Casey? Edgar Cayce, historically, is the most credible and documented psychic prophet in the history of the world. Uh, He died in 1945, and for 40 years of his life, he would go into a trance. He didn't remember anything he said, and he was able to... um, diagnose people's health problems. Even if they weren't in the room with them. He could, somebody could say, Joe Smo in New York, and he would go and he would just say, this is his problems. And the people would go to the doctor and the diagnosis would always be exactly all right, you know, I mean, even to the point of red blood cell count, and this and that. Without medical testing. Without medical testing, he did it. Was right. He was in a trance. Yeah. He didn't remember what he said. Somebody was recording all that and he had somebody transcribing it and he did 15,000 of these readings and not only did he do health readings, but he was recommending to people uh, alternative cures that had never been used before and people were were using it and it was working for them. In fact, even today, there are doctors that swear by Edgar Cayce's Remedies, and most health food stores have... Let's talk a little bit about
2: Edgar Cayce. To some people who are listening and watching us right now who say,
5: who was this guy? (laughs) guy?" Edgar Cayce, historically, is the most credible and documented psychic prophet in the history of the world. Uh, He died in 1945... And for 40 years of his life, he went to a trance. He didn't remember that he said. And he was able to um, diagnose people's health problems, even if they weren't in the room with them. He could. somebody could say Joe Smo in New York and he would go and he would say this is his problem and the people would go to the doctor and the diagnosis would always be exactly right you know I mean, even to the point of red blood cell count and this and that without and, medical uh, testing without medical testing he, did it was it. Right. he was in a trance yeah. he didn't remember what he said and somebody was recording all that and he had a, somebody transcribing it and he did 15 thousand of these readings and not only did he do health readings but he was recommending to people uh, alternative cures that had never been used before and people were, were using them and it was working for them. In fact even today there are doctors that swear by Edgar Casey's remedies and most health food stores have a special selection of Edgar Cayce's remedies and you know for 20 years he only did health readings. Now remember it was a mystery how was this guy doing it? Who was talking. No trickery here. No trickery. Who was talking through him? And then, after 20 years, he suddenly gave a reading, and in that reading, he included reincarnation. And he said, the reason the person has this problem is because they did something in a past life, mm-hmm. and they were working out the karma of it. Right, it so now, over. Yeah, so for the next 20 years, people were all asking, who was I? And, um, and he would refer to those things. Now, it's very... Interesting. For the first twenty years, he never referred to reincarnation. The reason is the source that was speaking through Edgar Casey, who we're going to go into, because all through Edgar Casey's time, the source was a, a mystery. But through the current um, incarnate who I believe was the incarnation of Casey, the source has explained who they are, and it's absolutely. Riveting of how, how this fits in to the big picture of the universe. Casey believed it was the Christ speaking through him. Ah. And but that's all he said. I didn't say it was Jesus. It was. So what's the Christ? It, I was this universal oneness. Actually, I don't want to jump the gun. So mind blowing, and it makes so much sense. when yeah, You know, for hear some it, reason, my stupid phone volume like Casey, I didn't want to do reincarnation for the first twenty years, because Casey was a fundamentalist Christian. So he backed off. The source, the source, the. Well, we're going to find out that the source was actually a group soul, It was not an individual being, and that uh, it was a group soul that graduated from this realm. When, why Edgar Casey? Why was he the one that was selected? Well, usually when, when this happens to people, they had a track record in past lifetimes where they had this connection and they 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 can go through many lifetimes where they don't have the connection or it's in the background it's in the world of possibilities hey, uh for someone yeah. to channel and bring this forth
1: I mean, to get you to your
5: they had to have it in their past lives and casey did and in fact dogs, if you read the casey material casey had a past life in egypt approximately 10,000 bc and he was a high priest and this—that he was um, doing things like building the pyramids by levitation. This was in the Casey readings, and the whole record he talked about. Right, right, it at all. right, right, right. But who was the source? Casey in the Casey readings he never talked about the source, even in his ten thousand B.C. life. But his name was Rata. And he was doing miracles, healing. He built the pyramids by levitation. Rata did. Rata. And uh, there was... Okay, the source identified themselves through the current guy who I believe is Casey. And they explained that they were... Fuck you, Kevin, at DHS. If you're into Buddhism... You know that people go through many, many, many lifetimes, right. and the Buddhists talk about getting off the wheel of Cease and desist! Well, what happens to you when you get off the wheel of reincarnation?
0: Apparently, there's
5: a lot of free will. So, no one, some people can incarnate in another planet, some people can come back and be an avatar right. on Earth. But, Who knows? Uh, but. One of the places is there's a group soul made up of hundreds of millions of graduates. And that what they do is they try to assist planets. They do assist planets at lower levels of evolution. And how do they assist? What do they do? Well, one thing is they can talk through people. process called channeling. So Edgar Cayce, um, my evidence shows that Edgar Casey was channeling this group's soul. And as I was studying all of this, they called themselves the Ra group. And as I was studying this, there was another woman that supposedly channeled this same group soul from the period of 1981 to 1983. And she had put five books out, and they were actually accepted by a small company in Pennsylvania that uh, Bob Friedman went on to <laughs> start. Bob Fleming accepted, worked for that company, and he's the guy that published Conversations with God. It's just an amazing lineage. The woman's name is Carla Ruckert, and uh, the five books are called Ra Law of One and i highly recommend it she even puts them up on her website for free she's so um committed to this whole thing well when you wrote the reincarnation of
2: edgar casey and we're leading up to identifying the individual whom you think is the reincarnated edgar casey and we're going to show you a picture uh eventually of edgar casey and this person we're talking about, and the resemblance is uncanny. But the individual in question, how did, was it you who said you're the reincarnated Edgar Casey, or was it that
5: individual who told you? He had a section on his website. This was in approximately the year 2000. He had a section on his website called the Edgar Casey Connection. And he had all these channelings on his website. And he also had all this scientific stuff, trying to prove that we were going into a dimensional shift. Mm-hmm. I read the Edgar Casey connection on his, website. on his website. He never said he was Edgar Casey. He said he had a connection, but he told the story of his connection. And I said, if this guy is telling the truth, he has to be the reincarnation of Edgar Cayce. And he was telling the truth. He, uh, to the best of my investigation. I, I think so too. Uh, he was. I've known that yeah. person for a number of years. Right,
2: right. And even though some of his thoughts and theories are way out there, mm-hmm. I think he speaks the truth. Yeah. And truly believes what he is investigating and researching.
0: Mm-hmm. So the name
2: of this person, you're thinking, who in the heck is it? Who is, that? is none other than GuyMTV's very own. David Wilcock. Right? That who is the person that you believe is the reincarnated Edgar Casey. This very uncanny look, they've got the same nose.
5: The same profile. It's weird. I'll give you that. Well, there's a lot more than the pictures of resemblance to tie tie the two together. That would not be enough to convince Um, me. Explain the tie But but while you're looking at the pictures, you can also look at uh, David's father and Casey's father. Because as I've learned it, we travel in soul groups and we meet the same people over and over again. But we don't know. We know them except they're familiar to us. Sometimes they're familiar in a bad way, because we did something bad in a previous lifetime. But the reason that's so is because when you die, your soul carries your DNA. And so when the soul comes into a new body, it programs the new body with the DNA of the past life. And that makes sense. So that's why, uh, that's why that occurs. Now, the story of what happened to Wilcock was he was he was living in Newports, New York. He graduated college, he was studying metaphysical things, he was studying ETs. and uh, he a friend of his was talking to him about recording his dreams. and David started recording his dreams. And in the morning, when he woke up, He had messages, sentence fragments, Uh as if somebody was talking to him. And he thought he was making it up, but it was fascinating. So every night he would get up and put a pad and uh, write more of these sentence fragments down. And there was a lot of wisdom. There were like cryptic phrases. And after a week, one of these fragments made a prediction of something that would happen would happen to him and they said the date it would happen and the time and it happened and now he was saying okay this is not just me he thought it was E.T.'s talking to him okay and for the next year he was writing down he was getting better at this he, instead of writing little fragments he was getting paragraphs and page after page after page of this incredible wisdom okay incredible beyond his you know I, he was a young man I was talking to him all the time and and um, there's no way it could have come from him, and then this, he called it his dream voice, and after a year, his dream voice asked him to move to Virginia Beach. Which he did, mm-hmm. which happened to be where the Casey Institute That's is. That's right, ARE. And and he was he learned about his resemblance to Casey, and it, it kind of gave him a stomachache. Okay, <laughs> it's like he. I mean, he, it was, it, was it, a revelation, wasn't it? Well, you know what? If you were somebody that famous and that influenced that many people, it's scary. Because I, I think I was George Naurian like, <laughs> You were. In any case. David saw the pictures and then he found the pictures of his father connecting to Casey's father. And um, now this voice that was coming to him, he was starting to be able to contact it in his waking state. Well, the interesting thing about Edgar Casey is that Edgar <laughs> Casey always channeled in a trance, never remembered what he said. And as I was studying Edgar Casey, and he talked, right, and he, he talked, talked to yeah, he talked. I, I intensely studied Edgar Casey because I decided what, what happened was I was writing articles for a metaphysical magazine, mm-hmm. and uh, I told the editor, I said, "Listen, I want to interview this guy," and she looked at his website. She called me back and said, Winnie looks like a wacko to me. <laughs> and I said, well, he may be a wacko, but I think he's Edgar Casey." So she said I could interview him and, uh, and that she wouldn't promise to run it until she read it, okay? So I interviewed David and i sent her the interview she called me back gasping saying oh my god you're right he has to be edgar casey and i think you're supposed to write the book about it and if she didn't say that i don't think i would have written the book well you did a great job does wilcock and we've talked to him about this but i want to hear from you does he think he's the reincarnated edgar casey he knows he's casey He's, he, you know, when he was going through this period, when I was knowing him, he was getting so many people hostile towards him um, because he would say that, and so he doesn't. They didn't really... like to hear that, did they? Well, you know what? It's very har- hard to say you are somebody famous without sounding self-aggrandizing, or maybe you're trying to get people to pay attention to you. Or... he got a lot of hostility for it, okay? He still does. You go look on the internet, and particularly because what he's done from... He doesn't emphasize channeling at all now. Right. And what he's done from that time till now, he's made predictions. They didn't come out, you know. um, Casey made predictions that haven't come out yet. Right.
2: As accurate as he was with health, he hasn't been as accurate about Earth changes,
5: and things yes. like that. Well, there's a, there's a whole section in the book I wrote where we talked about um, uh, Earth changes through Wilcock. There was something very fascinating that came through in one of his early channelings. Yeah. Casey's most famous channeling, the most probably duplicated is his devastation prophecy where Europe's going down in the blink of an eye in Los Angeles and Tokyo and I don't remember everything was going to disappear and he may have been ahead of his time well the interesting thing about that prophecy is that it had a byline and it wasn't Casey's normal source it was another entity and that uh, through Wilcox Wilcox's source was saying things like that was from a that. Was from a negative source, it wasn't them. And then they tried to correct it because elsewhere in the Casey readings they said. These changes will happen gradually. So we have this potential for a negative source, and they said both Wilcock and Casey at times had negative sources. This is why you can ne- never, ever give up your power to channeling, because it can be a positive source one day and a negative source another day. And that prophecy was designed to create fear and to also discredit Casey. That's what I believe. And um, I did a search. I had the CD-ROM of the Casey Readings. And that source had come through at different times and said, I am in the heavens like Jesus is to your realm. Okay? What a tempting phrase to give your power up. Everything, when you have a channeled source that uses exalted names, like even ascended masters. I'm not saying that's true in every case, but ascended masters, uh, Jesus, God, you know, it's like anything that tempts you to give up your power um, is, you have to be very wary of. That doesn't mean it's not positive, but in this case, this source, when I searched them, You know, Casey had a study group that looked at his readings and and came to the conclusion that they did not want to invite this source back anymore. And they didn't trust it. And they wanted to have the regular source, which they thought was the Christ. Okay, and um, one of the most fascinating things about this and this is something that a person is going to have to do their own study and investigation research research. I i can't possibly make this point in this short a time but here we have a group soul that's made up of graduates of this realm that wants to help us and we have um a lot of inequity in this realm, we have slavery, we have the Anunnaki. Well, I came to the conclusion that Jesus was very much connected with his group soul. And there was one thing in the book one statement that slipped through, because I wanted to put this in the book and David didn't, Mm -hmm. but I think it's really important that everyone should. And you got it in? I got it in, I got this one statement in, but um, you know, basically, uh, this group, Soul, made a comment about Jesus, and they, they brought, this statement, has been, you know, where it says, uh, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the light, right? This statement has been hopelessly distorted to all sorts of parsimonious situations including but not limited to those who would use it as a means to bolster their own faith and to say that all those who do not believe in jesus are forever condemned to an eternal hellfire of some sort made gruesome in its potentialities for prolonged intense suffering and yet the masses of your people insist on some level within that this inner christ is what is being accomplished now get this sent. This is, the, this is the sentence. Because of the damage we sustained in our religion, namely Christianity, we often come to you without ever speaking in these exact terms. Now, did that come through? It came through David. Through David. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Now, and, So
2: he's beginning to believe that he's Edgar Casey. What about other people
5: who begin to know him? Do they believe this? I would say uh, I don't think someone could know it unless they read the book first. First. Or studied it, or understood Casey. I mean, you know, there were certain things about Casey, and I had studied Casey very intensely while I was writing this book. Like, for example, uh, somebody that was living in the Casey household, his name was Harmon Brown, okay, who wrote a number of books about Casey saying that um casey was prone to fits of anger part of casey did not like just having people coming over and say go into a trance his his own ego wanted to express himself and i think in this lifetime david needed to express himself and not just go into a trance and do readings and he's done a bang up job doing that you know one when the book came out David and I essentially went separate ways because he didn't want to talk about being Casey anymore and he, he was over that. He, well, he didn't want, he, I don't think he wanted the response. Of, well, put yourself in David's shoes, okay? You're channeling, you're reading forth all this incredible wisdom, and there's no doubt it's wise. Yeah. And, and your source tells you that both you and Casey had negative sources at different times. Now, here you are going out into the world, going to say you're Edgar Casey, and people are going to give up their power to you because they're going to think you know everything. And David doesn't know everything. And Casey didn't know everything. And originally, David was scared of having that kind of, in my opinion, you know, speaking about David, he was scared about having people give up their power, power to him like that. And he wanted to do things scientifically and put things together. See, there was an incredible thing that was coming through his readings, and that we are in the middle of a dimensional shift. It's the end of a 75,000-year cycle, and that um, people... There was going to be a separation of souls. People were going to either graduate this realm or repeat it. And half of the book is Wilcox's source explaining how that works and how to how to win, how to graduate, you know? And I thought that was the most important book, I most important thing I would ever do in my life because I had the gut feeling it was real. When the trances... Eventually killed Edgar. They actually told Casey that he shouldn't channel. He shouldn't do readings for more than two people a day or something. He he would not stop. When? How do people get a hold of you or track you? Okay. Uh, ReturnofEdgar.com. And in on that website, on that page, not only can you get the book, but you can get. I did a interview with Wilcox Source Mm -hmm. in 2000. And three, I believe it was. We talked about this shift, and it's a 45-minute interview with him channeling, and it's there. Alright, very good. When thank you so much for being on Beyond Believe.
2: Great work, the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. Truly believe. very strange. You know David Wilcock if you watch Beyond Belief and Guy in television. He is the reincarnated Edgar Casey. I'm George Dory yeah. and thanks for watching Beyond Believe.
4: I can't believe.
1: We need to give the Right. That was pretty great. Although, I couldn't hear part of it. With win free, W-Y-N-N-FREE. Predictions and prophecies of Edgar Cayce have inspired and allured. What the hell is that?
2: edgar casey edgar casey has been called the father of holistic medicine the sleeping prophet and the most documented psychic of the 20th century casey was born on a farm in hopkinsville kentucky in 1877 his psychic abilities began to appear in childhood when he was able to talk to his deceased grandmother Later in life, Casey found that he had the ability to lay down and place his mind in contact with all time and space, the universal consciousness, and respond to questions which he did nearly every day for an astonishing 44 years. The result was an incomparable collection of data that came to be called readings, and their insights offer practical help and advice to individuals even today. Well, welcome to Beyond Belief. You know, when I was a young man, I was fascinated with the life of Edgar Casey. Read books on Edgar Casey, studied Edgar Casey, and who would believe that later on in my adult life I would come across an individual who he too was interested in the life of Edgar Casey. So much so that lecturer and interdimensional researcher Winfrey wrote a book called The Reincarnation of Edgar Casey. And when you hear who that person might be, you'll be fascinated. Wynn, welcome to Beyond Belief. Thank you, George. Great Thank you to for have having me. me. This is a fantastic book, by the way. You did your homework. I did. I did. Let's talk a little bit about Edgar Casey. To some people who are listening and watching us right now who say, who was this guy? Who was Casey?
5: Edgar Casey, historically, is the most credible and documented psychic... in in the history of the world. Uh, He died in 1945, and for 40 years of his life, he would go into a trance. He didn't remember anything he said, and he was able to um, diagnose people's health problems, even if they weren't in the room with them. He could, somebody could say, Joe Smo in New York, and he would go and he would just say, this is his problems. And the people would go to the doctor, and the diagnosis would always be exactly right, you know? Even, even to the point of red blood cell count, and this and that. Without medical testing. Without medical testing. Okay. Okay. Oh, and somebody was recording. Oh. And he had a, somebody transcribing it, and he did 50 of these readings, and not only did he do health readings, but he was recommending to people uh, alternative cures that had never been used before, and people were, were using them, and it was working for them. In fact, even today, there are doctors that... Swear by Edgar Cayce's remedies, and most health food stores have a special selection of Edgar Cayce's remedies. And you know, for 20 years, he only did health readings. Now, remember, it was a mystery how was this guy doing it? Who was talking? No trickery here, no trickery. Who was talking through him? And then, after 20 years, he suddenly gave a reading. And in that reading, he included reincarnation, and he said the reason the person has this problem is because they did something in a past life, and they were working out the karma. Of it. Right. Sure. So now, yeah, yeah. So for the next 20 years, people were asking, "Who was I?" And um, and he would refer to those things. Now it's very interesting. For the first 20 years, he never referred to reincarnation. The reason is. The source that was speaking through Edgar Casey, who we're going to go into, because all through Edgar Casey's time, the source was a, a mystery. But through the current um, incarnation, who I believe was the incarnation of Casey, the source has explained who they are, and it's absolutely riveting about how this fits in to the big picture of the universe. Casey believed it was the Christ speaking through him. Ah. And, but that's all he said. I didn't say it was Jesus, it was, so what's the Christ? I was... Universal oneness? Actually, I don't want to jump the gun. The way that the Christ works is so mind-blowing and it makes so much sense when you hear it but the source speaking through casey didn't want to do reincarnation for the first 20 years because casey was a fundamentalist christian he backed off the source the source, the source well, we're going to find out that the source was actually a group soul it's not an individual being and that uh, it was a group soul graduated from this realm when why Edgar casey why
2: was he the one that was selected
5: well usually when people, when this happens to people they had a track record in past lifetimes where they had this connection and they 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 can go through many lifetimes where they don't have the connection or it's in the background, it's in the world of possibilities. Uh, For somebody to channel and bring this forth, usually they had to have it in their past lives, and and Casey did. And in fact, if you read the Casey material, Casey had a past life in Egypt, approximately 10,000 BC, and he was a high priest. And this, that he was um, doing things like building the pyramids by levitation. This was in the Casey readings, and the of records he talked about. Right, 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 right. But who was the source? Casey in the Casey readings, they never talked about the source, even in his 10,000 B.C. life. But his name was Rata and he was doing miracles of healing. He built the pyramids by levitation. Rata. Rata. And uh, there was... Okay, the source identified himself from oh. the current guy who I believe is Casey. And they explained that they were a group soul made up of graduates of this realm. If you're into Buddhism, you know that people go through many, many, many lifetimes, right. and the Buddhists talk about getting off the wheel of reincarnation. Well, what happens to you when you get off the wheel of reincarnation? Apparently, there's a lot of free will. So no one, some people can incarnate in another planet. Some people can come back and be an avatar right. on Earth. But, uh, but one of the places is there's a group soul made up of hundreds of millions of graduates and that what they do is they try to assist planets they do assist planets at lower levels of evolution and how do they assist what do they do well one thing is they can talk to people and in the process called channeling so Edgar Casey um, my evidence shows that Edgar Casey was channeling this group's soul and as i was studying all of this they called themselves the raw group and as i was studying this there was another woman that supposedly channeled the same group soul from the period of 1981 to 1983 and she had five books out and they were actually accepted by a small company in pennsylvania that uh, Bob Friedman, who went on My to start, no, Bob Friedman accepted work for that company, and he's the guy that published Conversations with God. It's just an amazing lineage. The woman's name is Carla Rucker, and um, the five books are called Ra Law of One, and I highly recommend it. She even puts them up on her website for free. She's so um, committed to this whole thing. Well, when you wrote The Reincarnation of
2: Education, and we're leading up to identifying the individual right. whom you think is the reincarnated Edgar Casey. And we're going to show you a picture, uh, eventually, of Edgar Casey and this person we're talking about. And the resemblance is uncanny. But the individual in question, how did, was it you who said you're the reincarnated Edgar
5: Casey, or was it that individual who told you? He had a section on his website. This was in approximately the year 2000. He had a section on his website called the Edgar Casey Connection. And he had all these channelings on his website. And he also had all this scientific stuff trying to prove that we were going into a dimensional shift. I read the Edgar Casey Connection. On his website. On his website. He never said he was Edgar Casey. He said he had a connection. But he told the story of his connection. And I said, if this guy is telling the truth, he has to be the reincarnation of Edgar Casey, And he was telling the truth. He, uh, to the best of it's my investigation, I think so too. Uh, he was. I've known that yeah. person
2: for a number of years. Right, <laughs> right. And even though some of his thoughts and theories are way out there. I think he speaks the truth, yeah, yeah. and truly believes what he is investigating and researching. So the name of this person, you're thinking, who the heck is it? Uh-oh. Is none other than GuyMTV's very own David Wilcock. That is the person that you believed is the reincarnated Edgar Casey. This very uncanny look, they've got the same nose. The same profile. It's weird. I'll give you that.
5: Well, there's a lot more than the pictures that result. let tie the two together. That would not be enough to convince me. You it, to tie but, it. but while you're looking at the pictures, you can also look at uh, David's father and Casey's father, because as I've learned it, we travel in soul groups, and we meet the same people over and over All again. But we don't know. We know them except... They're familiar to us sometimes they're familiar in a bad way because we did something bad in a previous lifetime but the reason that's so is because when we die your soul carries your dna and so when the soul comes into a new body it programs the new body with the dna of the past life and that makes sense so that's why uh, that's why that occurs now the story of what happened to wilcock he was he, he was living in Newport, New York. He graduated college. He was studying metaphysical things. He was studying ETs. And uh, he, a friend of his, was talking to him about recording his dreams. And David started recording his dreams. And in the morning, when he woke up. He had messages, sentence fragments, as if somebody was talking to him, and he thought he was making it up, but it was fascinating, so every night he would get up and put...
1: There was this one show with David Wilcox where it starts out in the, and he's like, just kind of like waves off some smoke, and it's like all foggy and the set. <laughs> And he says this is something like um well you know you know what we were doing. You know what was going on right before this or something like that. That's hilarious. He was token up. I didn't know that's that's the same guy who's who's uh, allegedly, reportedly the reincarnation of, of uh, Edgar Cayce. yeah. I, lo- I think he's a really interesting cat. You know, he used to, um, he would fall asleep on a pile of books, and in the morning he would remember, or he would have absorbed all the knowledge from the books. Wow. From sleeping on them, sleeping on mm-hmm. them. You commence. Mm-hmm. You comments. Your comments. Yeah, we can all do that. I've been told over and over that I have certain abilities. I don't know if I believe that I do, but I can tell you that I knew you were talking about David, David Wilcox way before you said it. <laughs> when you said it, was he was talking about I got actual pumps. Huh, this did not ring at all true for me. This guy did not seem credible beyond an unprofessional appearance. He had no real compelling evidence. Boarding, boarding stupid. Uh, George and Roy is very hit and miss, mostly miss. David is no Edgar Casey. <laughs> How can anyone say this is absolute fact? I'm very open-minded to all possibilities, but after listening to David for several years, I have serious doubts that he is Edgar Reborn. It just doesn't click with me, and this is the second person within 10 years to claim someone as Edgar Casey reincarnated. I can't remember his name, but I do recall he was a man that lived in Upper Michigan. I can definitely see David as Casey's fullest reincarnation, he's brilliant and I see him as a great teacher. If we incarnate his soul groups then those numbers can grow with each, you know, if he, if he is Ed, D- Edgar Casey then, uh, reincarnated then, um, uh, that, I think that's pretty cool that to be like a pot smoking, um, teacher. <laughs> If we incarnate as soul groups, and those numbers can grow with each generation, there may be more of us than we realize. I think I think it's possible to have, you know, since we're all one, it's possible to have, I think it would be possible to have, like, a couple, you know, more than one person claiming that um, their reincarnation of somebody who could be, I mean, it's, it's a spirit, right? So why couldn't there be many, many Edgar Cayce's, you know, when we tap into our abilities, man. And just to add a bit more spice to the story, the same channeled sources revealed to Winfrey that he is in fact the reincarnation of one of America's founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. was well, isn't that wonderful? Um, if if uh, they could say that, then I'm the reincarnation of Elizabeth the First. Winfrey's website doesn't work. The website uh dot com is to is do, is to do with accounting, I investments, filing like tax return, etc. Hmm. Very interesting interview. I've read the book and also believe that David said could return to astrological similarities. lunar and uncanny. it doesn't seem to me that DW is trying to cash in on it. <laughs> Why did George cut off wind like that at the end? Most of Beyond Belief sessions are 45 minutes and this one is only 26 minutes. Yet there was urgency to get wind off air. This wasn't right nor professional. Okay, I'm taking this with a grain of salt. I have not been that impressed with David Wilcox. I feel Casey's probably had stronger psychic abilities, and it's a great way to ride Casey's, Casey's coattails to, to fame. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I agree that David is reincarnation of Casey. When I first heard David talk about the similarities, I didn't believe it, but as I have followed along with the shows, etc., I can see that it is highly likely it is true too, too many coincidences. I'm glad Mr. Free wrote his book. David reminds me of Einstein. I enjoy shows and yours too, George. Cheers and Namaste. Well, let's let's go check out a David Wilcox on Edgar Casey. Yeah, maybe that's a, that's a cool thing about uh, Gaia's subscription banmadi, which you can do too. Like if you're curious about, say, Edgar Casey or whatever or
3: Oh, I can go on Gaia
1: Yeah. And they have all this all these like documentaries basically. Like, you know. yeah. Um um shows that you can't get with that, you know. It's not on YouTube. It's not you yeah. know. Can't get anywhere.
4: Carter.
1: That wasn't education, was it? Um, no, that was a dude. um I do in Florida? Yeah. Going to Florida? Ahead. Um, well, do a search, Ben Matie. Don't you have your phone? No. I don't care. No, I don't carry my phone. <laughs> 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 this sounds fucking great. It's freaking great. It's Edgar Casey's Atlantis. Whoa. The end of time's and ascension with David Wilcock. Is it Wilcock? Well Um That'd be interesting what you have to say about Atlantis and what
4: happened.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. let's check that sounds freaking great. Who
4: they were, what they did, where they went
1: to. Edgar Casey's Atlantis with Raymond Tarpey. <laughs> <laughs> Go get him, Baker kick his ass. Go on, get him. You do it. Put him in a spot. You're the man. <laughs> You're the man.
6: One of the great mysteries of history has been the lost continent of Atlantis. The orthodox scientific community relegates it to legend but if you move back into ancient history, it was often referred to, even by such philosophical luminaries as Plato. According to the Edgar Cayce readings, it matters that we're aware of its existence because we're about to enter a similar potential of destruction or salvation depending on how we choose to use our technologies. Raymond Tarpe is a Cayce scholar who also shares that the people who lived in the Atlantean times are back, particularly in Welcome back, conversation number two. We just had a blast in conversation number one, Thank talking you. about the origins of the species and many other things that you peppered in there. And so let's do a quick little recap on that and how we get to Atlantis from there.
7: Okay. The recap would be we went through the story of creation, creation, uh, this particular creation not that there have been once before and will come after this whole universe is part of the creation and one of the universes um, and we found how we were originally spirit beings and that we have a spirit destiny but what we got entwined with matter then we lose that memory and we prefer to deny it because we're enjoying ourselves in this place But this enjoyment has pitfalls designed for us to awaken and see the reality. Reality is the main word you see in the Buddhist temple. Every Buddhist temple, there's one Chinese word, reality. It's like wake up and see what is really here and fulfill your contract. In between enjoyments. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs>
6: yes. In between enjoyments, it is critical that we enjoy this place we yes, it. But you talk about how we came for the pleasure of immersing with matter and exploration. We also talked about how the fact that many souls became trapped in that and then did lose their memory of the other. That has created also a tremendous amount of trauma and pain. To be a species that is unaware of its more internal. And Y's ham creates an internal disconnect and And trauma at its level.
7: creates a a controllable population because the material will begin to control. uh, You have no other recourse. You think
4: you you have a certain hierarchy in a certain place. That's only in that world, the material world, you are...
1: Live you are nobility in material and world.
7: what the spirit life teaches is that you are noble, you are the one, no, you, you are, are the noble. teacher you are the shaman no, and you your are job a in shaman. this life is to achieve <laughs> that level of resonance so that we can all achieve together and be free and as you also
6: talked about when we were in the non-material realms, before being encased and ultimately trapped into the physical world we were able to create at the speed of thought. We are master creators. This world was created in the thought forms from even a larger source of creation. And so we've been, we're, it's, it's slow as mud now, trying to make anything happen in the physical we're, we're a shadow.
7: We have the shadow creative ability of what we once had. And we're trying to duplicate it in the material, but the spiritual is helping us to do it and working our way backwards through a plan because we're under a plan right now it's called the, I call it the plan of revelation it is established by Aemilius the one who split himself into five different Adam and Eve simultaneously at some point over 200,000 years ago and that um, it I don't know the form that that took. It could have been on the spiritual realm. Why not? Infusing into individuals in the five areas of the earth. We have to go into each one of them to explain how that evolved and unfolded. But the plan is afoot. And we are to remember that we have help at all points in time. All we have to do is sit and meditate and realize our preciousness you are precious you are loved to a degree that you can't even imagine it's all created for you and all we have to do is realize our preciousness, and preciousness and melt that fear away and the people controlling are like a house of cards so also will they fall So the
6: pain that we're experiencing as a species is only a matter of the degree to which we're cut off from ourselves. That's correct. Uh, Our spirit selves? selves. Yes. And let's talk about the ones who are controlling you. We brought this up in the past. Yes. In the last conversation. Yes. We need to discuss it again because it lays the foundation for what played out in the various iterations of Atlantis. Correct. According to Edgar so, Casey. we're talking about, according to Edgar Casey, yeah. and this same story shows up as light and dark and shadowed throughout all oh, of yes. this. Uh, Critias and uh, Timaeus and, and uh, Plato, uh,
7: Socrates was involved in the dialogue. They're yes. all talking about the same thing. How the uh, the ruling elite lost it.
6: Yes, and, and this went them back a long time.
7: And all the others, peasantry, had created what they called the great lie of the hierarchy of beings. There is no hierarchy of beings; they are all equal.
6: Yes, and one of the, and, and another legend that I became aware of about thirty years ago, very very similar to Cayce's. when the the trapping. Came about the trapping of the souls into the physical no longer able to escape back in to, to, to freely go between their true essence mm-hmm. a non-physical essence and what they are now when that happened there were those who did retain were able to traverse and retain a good amount of knowledge who uh, by virtue of that became those who, became, who were the leaders but within that you had two camps we talked about the Sons of the Law of One and the Sons of Belial, as Edgar Casey describes these two philosophical factions of those who remained in power in the very, very early days of humanity. Can you talk about the objectives of each or the philosophy of
7: each? Well, the Sons of Belial were involved with the technology. They realized that they had power and they came to ignore their spirit selves. And we still have many beings on the earth that ignore their spirit selves. They think that they can prove everything. Proving is ego. It is a controlling act. There is no proof. There is only the looking. There is only the realizing of the the self that it's been here long before us. It will be here long after us. We did not create it, so we are born into an incredibly intelligent place. And science helps us by showing us how incredibly intelligent nature is. Now we have to begin to ask ourselves individually, who is the shaman? And the first question that the shaman asks uh, is, who's running the show? When you're sleeping with your name, like I am Raymond, I'm sleeping, I am, who's conducting my digestion, this complex thing, the heart, the circulation of the blood, who's healing all the cells in my body while Raymond is sleeping? Now, you can ask that question to people, and some people say, well, that's my brain. And that's how humans like to take credit for things that they're not doing. It's not yours because you're not doing it. You're claiming something that you're not doing. So the waking up means stop claiming intelligence that you're not doing and saying you're just doing it on a, a subconscious level. Then start to listen to that subconscious level because that's where the intelligence is.
6: Absolutely. Okay, so now we've set the foundation of players. Yes. Now let's go. There was a migration, and we talked about the Mayans. The migration. The Mayans are unique in that they had the migration of those from Lemuria on one side yes. and the Pacific, and then from the Atlantic, the Atlanteans. And so the Mayan legend came about. And you're a scholar in this area. You even do Mayan readings with people, good. which is of a depth far beyond astrology. Mm-hmm. Goes into the depth of it's the soul. American astrology. American, ex- American astrology, Indian yes.
7: astrology, which came through the heart of the Americas, there 's no mistake that the Maya are right in the heart, the center of the two pieces like a giant butterfly. They are the center. And their culture is picked to survive. And their writing came to us direct so that the Westerner can appreciate it. There's no writing. The Westerner has a hard time appreciating or uh, valuing a culture. They have to have that writing. And so it is the gift It is the gift of the Christ that came through the Maya that that writing was preserved to us as an ancient record. It's hard to stop it because we're helped.
6: And that's why the Maya are so prominent at this point in history. So, now we know of their lineage, but let's go now from Lemuria, which overlapped with the seeding of the populations in the upper Atlantean stage, the higher stage. And so the
7: the first... migrations are coming in from Lemuria and they're coming in earlier so far I, I stick with science too I, I want the scientists out there to remember I love you for doing all the grunt work so we can we can use this to as evidence for things and it guides us the scientists are doing the valuable work the archaeologists I respect every one of them. They're crawling through with, with paintbrushes and little toothbrushes and doing this all for us. It is a great sacrifice. And what they found is the Mulamurian culture was most prominent in Peru first because the oldest ones are found on the Pacific coast. That's why the Andes civilization is developed in that Pacific area. And so the greatest discovery now is in Peru. Uh, the Great uh, Pyramids of the Caral Supe culture, yes. which uh, Ruth, Dr. Ruth Shadi uh, came across. Uh, there's a big archaeological controversy about a credit thing that's going on, but it's okay. I just I visited down there because uh, after I got my crystal skull, I was led from the Maya... To Peru and my daughter married a guy from Peru, and all of a sudden I'm drawn there by this crystal skull energy. And I visited So Bay and I saw one of about nineteen or twenty pyramid sites, huge. And they're built at the same time or before Giza. And around them we find no forts, no fortifications, most and weaponry, none of it
6: musical instruments interesting now if we're putting a date on that supposedly the peer pyra- according to the edgar casey readings the pyramids at giza were we're looking at twelve thousand five hundred years ago right? that's correct yeah based, based on is also... the great pyramid yes. because it's
7: the anomaly right and the greatest anomaly is what pharaoh would you know would not put his name on inside no carvings at all in that pyramid yes. and of course the the first pyramid the great pyramid is the greatest one then everybody declined and forgot everything so what what uh, many people who study history in this other vein think is that They found that, the cultures that came out of the Sahara, when the Sahara dried up and flowed into Egypt, they found this pyramid there, and their next pyramids were attempts to
6: imitate what they found. Yes, Yes. much of like what's happened in South America and Central America as well in later civilizations. So, going back, the Lemurians, the first point of uh, immigration, so to speak, was to Peru. Correct. Now, let's look at how the Atlantean leap occurred. Uh, The Atlanteans
7: came, were coming through also, but it seems like the earliest in Peru, they came through way earlier than 3,000, 4,000, 10,000, because in order to build those pyramids, you had to go through, and it's not always when you migrate that the people, the master craftsmen get to migrate, they may have died, so you had to start from scratch, but at least... You had the memory of what could be, and that's the most
6: important thing to have. And in a way, we're out of sequence because as we're talking about Egypt 12,500 years ago as a, a great pyramid... That, that is a remnant of Atlantis Yes. so now I'm going to take us back to Atlantis the upper civilization what the beings were like the dramas that were playing out on that stage the technologies, mental and physical that were available to us what was life like when the entire continent was whole in the upper Atlantis when it was whole,
7: it was beautiful because they recognized Crystal as the um, the way. To communicate with other dimensions. Uh, Edgar Casey mentioned the Pleiades are tourists from the light shining upon us is filled with intelligence if we're open to it. One of the first meditations of the American Indians is to look at the moon, stare at the moon's light, and find the rabbit. Find the rabbit there, and you've taken the first step into feeling what the moon really is and what intelligence it can give through light into your inner being. Mm-hmm. Um,
6: so going where, back to the Atlanteans yes, and the understanding that crystal was the communication device right. between dimensions, because these were kind of fresh off the boat, right. a lot of these beings were newly seated to the planet, taking the material form there, as happened in Mu and Lemuria prior to that.
7: And they had their early ages of great achievement where they got it together and they had a democratic society Edgar Cayce said that and so did Plato but gradually even in Plato it agrees with Edgar Cayce that the God part of them the spirit part of them became more and more uh, uh, smaller more uh, less seen less effective Mm -hmm. less seen forgotten Mm -hmm. and so the more they were led into that material realm and then they went away from they wanted to increase their pleasure their attachments and part of their pleasure is control of others ego loves it i am the one me and i just enjoy being important and other people bowing to me i am the creator then we Uh, The greatest definition I've heard of ego is edge-god out.
4: I am the god. The
7: divine right of kings comes through.
6: Well, what's interesting about that to me is that as you're speaking about it, you have beings who are fresh off the boat from another dimensional area, um, taking the physical, and the ones who weren't damaged and weren't um, lost in this encasement and did keep both aspects of the being connected in the life... Lots of technological and other information flowed through them. They had very high capabilities. Yes. Can you talk about some of what Casey Casey's readings revealed in terms of what we were doing, what the place looked like, the technologies, the agricultural practices, and the so forth? The technology
7: involved the cutting of canals. There were canals, and they were uh, towers and temples. To uh, according to the Greek myth, it was. It was uh, the giving out to Poseidon. He was granted at that field, according to the Greek myth, like, much like the Aemilius. And so Edgar Casey said that those islands there were three main ones uh, po- uh, Poseidon, Oak, and. Uh, a- Aryan, Aryan. Okay. So the Aryan word that we use, I know the word og because I studied Gaelic. Right. And the word, the word in Gaelic, in or og is youth or young. Okay. The land of the young, the land of forever young, because they could live to long age. During Let's those talk about times. that. What yes. kind
6: of lifespans did we have then?
7: When well, you look at the the Bible as the best, when uh, we don't have exact sources, Edgar Casey said they lived long ages at certain periods, and then we have the Bible to go to and other sources also that say the same thing around the world.
6: So we're looking at seven, eight, nine hundred right,
7: years. because pre- even today scientists have no idea why we age. Right,
6: it's like some switch got turned
7: off. There's no reason for it. And wow. I think we've cut off we've cut wow. off our own juices, and perhaps. We want to get out of here after a while. It's suffering because we're trapped and we know, we know we're going no further.
6: Okay, now that makes sense. Yeah. So the other thing they were doing at that time um, was using technologies. Yes. Let's talk about the use of technologies for the good and for maybe the not so positive. We have a date from Edgar Casey of
7: 5,722 BCE, I think, or or years ago, I'm not too sure. When there was a great conference, worldwide conference, because these groups, these ancient civilizations, were in communication with each other. There were great meetings in Egypt. There were great meetings in Atlantis and representatives from around the world. And this is hard for, for historians and archaeologists to swallow. But you're
6: talking about telecommunications and, or... And it
7: could be on that level, yes. that's right. But for Edgar Casey, I think he's talking about actual, actual uh, meetings. Yes. And that we had these earlier civilizations that just have been buried, and we can't find trace of them anymore. And the Greeks said the same thing, that Zeus called the meeting. Mm-hmm. And because people were going away from their godlike selves and were going into lower... Uh, material life forms and needed to remember who they are not that the matter is lower but they have to remember that they have another existence besides this existence
6: so nudging back to, into the technological age yes, that yes. developed at that time, where Mu was really more primitive in terms Mu of people living interested more, in that's right, living more in contact with just nature, the divine. Mu was the land of nature. the crystal power, Yeah, and
7: I think Atlantis got the crystal power from Mu, Mu, Mu okay. the Marian, because they were in touch with each other. Um,
6: how is it exploited and utilized?
7: Um, for Mu, it's more a culture of agriculture, and it's more building of simple temples and agriculture and no weaponry, no warfare. And that's what we're finding in ancient Peru right now. Although we're still early, and they've had this hope for many mm-hmm. different civilizations, and like among the Maya. And they say the Maya became warlike too, but they have to remember that the Maya were invaded by the civilizations of, of Heartland, of Mexico, and then they changed. Right, right. They were that's later. So right. Right down. And so what the, the uh, Edgar Casey said in that year around five 50,000 BC, 50, right? 52,000 years ago. I love the number 52 because it fits with the Mayan sacred numbers. There was a threat from large animals. Certain environments were threatened, and they began to use the technology and the crystal that they had to develop weaponry to change the climate. To change Much the like climate. people say that things are going on today that are happening with chemtrails and uh, various um, shooting up uh, um, um, rays into the atmosphere for uh, finding out what's in the ionosphere and how we can use it yes. to spy on other cultures and bombarding it to see what will happen yes. so we can get so we
6: can get uh, material gain. Yes, and that's a whole other subject. Yes. Ma'am. So, they were using similar technologies, and you're saying you're saying now that they were altering weather patterns, having to do with the roaming or invasion of the larger animals. Were those two somehow linked? Them Some to control those populations. Some areas colonies
4: and
7: parts of Atlantis threatened by larger animals. We don't get into, they don't get into details about what the large animals are. So I don't know what.
6: One, is, yeah. a, a person that I have a great amount of yes. respect for, yes. Yes. Um, and I both used to be taken back into the into past life regressions yes. into these times, and I have just a smattering of experiences. Yes. 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 But I remember the first one that she went through. She was there as a guardian for the people, the people, the human beings, to help keep the animals separate from them, the large human-like, uh, humanoid-type animals, an away idea. from them, because they yeah. they had developed agricultural practices, so it was a draw and attraction to the other species to come there, and they would come and maraud and wipe out the food supplies. So there was an attempt to try to keep them kind of corralled and moved to other areas, and maybe that's part of well, this. We have to
7: think of animal life forms, yeah. and some of it could be ethereal, yeah. uh, ethereal. Um, and that they are guardians. Yes. They were the guardians of, of the previous creation number two. And so they are always our guardians, mm-hmm. but we have to remember their strength. When we pressure them, as maybe the Atlanteans were pressuring them, yes. then they assume forms that they don't want to assume but they but they are they are empowered by the earth, the, the the mother earth to assume a form to protect
6: which is because we're not allowed
7: to destroy the earth
6: Right, and that that feature prominently in a yeah. number of readings is that mm-hmm. in the early Atlantean times, yeah. the civilization was being threatened and overrun by these very large animals yes. yes. of sorts. And they don't so describe the way they
7: look we're like. We're still doing research on what the nature of that is, and mm-hmm. I appreciate you opening that for me
6: because I I hadn't done that that well. Ju- it of just flashed stuff. through my mind when you were yeah. talking about it that she had seen that in that regression. Nobody can study everything. Too you, it's too well, much. It's too much. I'm
7: hoping more people yep. will get into this. Study.
6: well yeah. and it's a matter of putting these little pieces of yes. the puzzle together yes. to create a larger portrait yep. so they also had the advantage of um electromagnetic technologies yes they were mastering the use of yep. and even fission at that time yep. as i understand and they were beginning to
7: master it and you had people like tesla that we had in our history who uh, began to have amazing ideas of using electricity and it would be free using the earth as a wire
6: and they were doing that then
7: and already that kind of person his records had to be sponge and he had to be eliminated they so the people the scientists who were doing this uh could be easily waylaid in their attempts by people who are trying to use the technology in charge for it and become dominant in the society, becoming the ones who deal out the energy and the power, keeping
6: a slave species of sorts. Yes, enslaved. intact, yes. keeping slaves yep. going. So this started back then. Right? Yes, it's it's a it's a cycle. It's, it's what a cycle. human beings do. So everything we're in supposedly inventing and discovering is yep. really only rediscovering, because all yes. of it, and we haven't gotten as far exactly. as those early Atlantean civilizations. Right now, I think we're approaching
7: where Atlantis was. We we are. We are quite there, and a lot of Atlanteans are coming into this lifetime because they love it, they remember, and they want to come in here and do that again and enjoy it, even the even the abusing, and they're free to do that.
6: Is it? Would you say, in your own understanding of it, that the ones who come back, um, who are posing as power elite at this time, have played that role? Uh, from that time from the Atlantean times forward and And this is the role they're
7: They're replaying their role and some of them are they don't want to wake up in this lifetime they like this Mm -hmm. and they're allowed to do it and they're allowed to do it because we
4: have a universe of worlds yes and so when they pass there
7: are millions and billions of worlds where they can go to as the next step in their education in the well, hope what do you know? that they will choose another route yes, because creation is an invitation.
4: Do you know?
7: It's synonymous with the word invitation. We are invited to learn. We are never
4: forced. It is
7: open and it will be spread out. That's why the universe is expanding. It is not... It is not going backwards as they thought. It's getting larger because we're making it larger. Yes. We're creating these new worlds because we're demanding more more fields to play in for our evolution. Mm-hmm. And
6: whatever we demand, the creator will grant we are that precious. And we had refined this creation quite yes. well in earthly forms at that time. Yeah. And one of the areas that has intrigued me is what they were doing at the time with agriculture. That part I haven't seen us yes. master yet in that there was the use of crystal yes. and the use of crystal as a light source yes. among, as well as energy source where they were shining light on the backside of the mountains and growing extraordinary produce you could anywhere really from anywhere with the technology because they're in
7: the red lands they're in the place of feeling the Atlanteans could feel the earth and so they could use the crystal power to help grow, they could use their their own minds to open up the magical entities, the fairy, what we call the fairies, these the yes. the, uh, Divac- the, Divac- the magical parts Divac- and the entities of the earth to grow. They were very successful. They case Adrian Casey said they reach very high levels of production, yes. agricultural production, and civilization. It's only in the later times. And when they went awry after the 50,000, 52,000 mark, when they started to use the technology in the wrong way, they were using it to destroy climate. That's not their job. Their job is not to destroy. And they got enamored with it. And that was the beginning. And then they started the Earth disturbances much more than they could handle. And then there were a series as... uh, uh, most of the ARE scholars now point to fifty-two and twenty-six and thirteen. Those are the Mayan power numbers. Right. So I always consider it in
6: those in that in that way. So that so, do, is there any feeling of? For how long that culture existed before the first takedown, 52, 54,000 oh, years ago? The Atlantean culture was going on thousands of years before that.
7: Mm-hmm. Edgar Casey is talking about these key years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talked most about the key years because he saw that we were going through the same one and the clients wanted that information. Right. And so um, he talked about why people came in from Atlantis and uh, why people were working in the electrical field became an engineer because you were that before. Yes. And this time, you want to come around and do it again and do it right, because that is the whole key of the Mayan uh, way. Is they have the the um, the mythology of K'atzal K'awat'l. Uh-huh. K'awat'l is the eternal priest king. He Ketzal Ketzal means bird blue-green bird, and uh, coatl means snake. The bird means the knowledge of the skies of the snake, the knowledge of the underworld, well, the one who knows, the priest king. Mm-hmm. And he uh, defiled himself with a little help from the from others. But he defiled himself, and he had part of it, and he had to leave. He had to go. And when he left, uh, it was a big goodbye. I will return uh, the priest falls and has to leave. The reta thing of one of the previous incarnations of Edgar Casey is the priest king in Egypt. And he originally had a wonderful, miraculous... Uh, Civilization in Egypt, which came from Persia, the older one, and then he defiled himself, married uh, a relation, too close of a relation, and too young. And so, therefore, he had to leave. And so, many uh, ancient civilizations talk about the return of the priest.
6: The return, okay.
7: The return of the mature priest. Yes. And that's what Mayan uh, mythology is all about spiritual immaturity and spiritual maturity.
6: Okay, so let's go go now to how the priests were reigning at that time in Atlantis. Yes. In that first one, and then let's move into 28,000, when the civilization was first lost. Yes. That portion of the civilization is lost, and the migratory patterns outward of the people. Yes, yes. The migratory
7: patterns from Atlantis, Edgar Casey said they're all coming through the Yucatan lands. They're coming through Yucatan, and from there they're going to Peru, okay. the Atlanteans. And he records all the mixtures, all, it's mind-boggling, the amount of migrations. You had blue areas, you had Atlantean areas, and gradually you'll see the it's in the Peruvian cultures like in Chavin de Huantar, the great site of Peru, which was started off so beautifully, but then the, the sons of Belio got control, and the art changes, and the, the, their, um, their trade system changes, and it becomes more, and their temples change, they get more limited access by the nobility.
6: It's no longer, it's no longer wide access. Okay. The Also, also as I recall reading in, in Casey's work, the other migration was occurring, was re- occurring eastward, where you're talking about the engagement of the Pyrenees. That's right. And Portugal. There was an made. attempt, and, and Plato recorded that, the dialogues
7: recorded that, of the attempt to take over the war with Athens and the war with Egypt. And eventually they were defeated by an ancient Athens, which is
6: interesting. It is interesting. Okay, now, so my mind's that's, kind of that's going... That's Plato's style. Yes. Yeah. And let me go in a linear fashion here. So then at 50, uh, 52,000, we had a disruption, a complete disruption of the land, and a large portion of, of early the, Atlantis the Americas, was yeah. gone. Yeah. Okay. Now the migration had started people, there was some forewarning and migration was going on all the way through. That's right. And Edgar Casey talked about one particular one that was very important, and
7: that was the one led by Iltar of the House of Astlan. Yes. And he led about ten individuals, and he was building uh, some of the first temples in the Yucatan colony land. Okay, but that land is probably now under the water. That's why we went there in twelve, twelve, twelve with the crystal skulls yes. to get uh, to download the skulls with that information.
6: Okay. Now, what was the second iteration, or the remaining culture of Atlantis, after the first um, disappearance of the landmass, which took that culture with it, that portion of the culture with it? That's right, and then the
7: islands became more separated and smaller, and then wars one to the other, and different ones doing, because the Atlanteans were entrepreneurial, very entrepreneurial, more aggressive than the Lemurians were you can see that in when you compare the the West to the east uh, there is a certain there is a certain that's why the Pacific is called the Pacific It's much more there's a, there's a much more, um, Lastiness, softer.
6: Softness yes. there. And yes.
7: knowledge of space in between people.
6: And even the remaining cultures that yeah. have dot along still the America, have it, still, still have that ahead. softness and yeah. connection yes. with yes. the land and nature. Yes. So yes. now in the Atlantic area, where people have spread both directions and into the yes. Americas, including into the Southwest. Right. And
7: you're going to have colonies being established mm-hmm. in different places where it was ripe and they could control And then if they had a Lemurian culture then, then the Atlanteans would come in and become the other faction, and then gradually bring it down. So Casey's readings for individuals are over 14,000 readings. Nobody can read them all. Um, But they talk about gaining and losing. You You were one of the priestesses in the temple there. At first you did very well, and then you lost. Yes, and, and the your, corruption with happened. And, and part of your sadness in this life is for that
6: reason. Doesn't it seem like we're always doing that, even yes. every. I mean, we're always bumping up against our boundaries and doing course
7: corrections. And bump, yes, and bumping up against ourselves because what we've done and why we study this archaeology and this history is because our ancient selves have left. Messages for ourselves, knowing that we will come back and be reminded. Yes. So it's spiritual archaeology.
6: So at this time in the second uh, portion that yeah. went down in twenty-eight thousand, you still had high technology. Yes. They had things like floating cars. They right. they understood gravity right. they well.
7: They had central source. Central source uh, of magnificent energy. He called it Tuol Stone. Yes. Tuol I. Now that sounds Lemurian to me. Isn't that the big crystal? Yeah, the big crystal. Yeah, and it sounds that's why that's why I think the Lemurian is the place where the crystal comes from. And they had. And left. they used it, and they used it as a central power station. Yes. And it powered submarines and airplanes, you name it, and eventually weaponry, death ray. Edgar Casey talked about the death ray. That, right. began. And then that was the before climate. the
6: science in this day and age came about on that. That's
7: right. That We're just getting to that level now. Yes.
6: Yeah. And how was the death and ray? And congratulating ourselves. <laughs> yeah, like we've reached a high level <laughs> of advancement. A high level of that. Yeah. How was the death ray used at that time? Because this really figures into the destruction.
7: They used it to destroy... Large animals, and at first what they were talking. Um, I I don't get this from Edgar Casey reading, so I'm going to jump here and say, uh, betting that some of the colonies were warring with other colonies mm-hmm. and would use that technology to
6: win. Okay, so it was essentially they were yeah. they were kind of new. Yeah. yeah, and much
7: of the same as the Greeks were doing same yeah. thing. they would go. They would use the the Oracle Adelphi Delphi. That's one theory now. They were using the Oracle of Delphi. ...as a major intelligence point to inform people going to Delphi Oracle and the priests speaking behind. It's not so pure sometimes. And letting them know of information where certain areas less civilized around the Mediterranean are ripe for invasion by certain city-states, entrepreneurial ones, who wanted to increase their power. Because Greece was not a central empire... And so and Atlantis was breaking up, and so they were not central anymore. they used to be the ten kings, and then they had a unity among them, but the unity had broken down, and now they're fighting with each other and the sons of Belial are not a single entity either they are they are different in, because the islands as the as the as the destruction advanced. In the separate islands, there were separate governments formed. But Casey, I think, is mainly talking about the main island of Poseidon. Yes,
6: right. And so, as I understand it from the readings, by a very large increment, this connection with the spirit and the spiritual understandings kept declining with each destruction of Atlantis. Correct.
7: It was time for them to fall. There was the invitation, there was the hope that they can wake up But a resonance has to be created among the followers of the one which we're doing right now. Yes. We have to network with each other. We have to talk with this resonance. We have to remember. We have to become a member of ourselves again. Remember to become a member again of each other. And stop letting other forces from the top separate us into little groups through
6: fear and competition. This has been carried out now for... Hundreds of thousands of years. This has been going on, and we have an opportunity. Absolutely, I had the experience with Dolores Cannon of doing a past life regression one time. Did had no idea where I was going to end up. I just know what I what I went for, which was a. As some kind of damage that I felt like my heart had been really yes, hampered at some point. Yes, yes. Assuming it might be a little love affair in the past, no. It yes, we went right back to the final days of one of the epo- periods in yes, Atlantis. Sir. And yes, the one thing that I noticed is when, and I was working at that time uh, with energy, we worked with the mind, it was females in a temple setting, as opposed to the males predominantly but not entirely working with the great crystal and the energy sources outside, which I didn't really have a lot of awareness of because we were close to it. So I only had what I would hear and what we could see. Yes, yes. Uh, but when it was over, in this, this was the final day, and the sadness was so dense, we had been trying to hold the energy, as others had, for decades upon decades. And we were about, in our mid 200s, we were like a 32-year-old today, but we were 250 years old. Roughly. The point was, after it all went down, You could see, I assume it was a nuclear type of thing, because the fish, I could see them belly up and boiling in the waters. And I didn't stay for the actual meltdown. I was there, but I didn't choose to look at it. went beyond it. The thing that struck me, I kept saying to her, "How, how could we have done this? Because we have ruined the very delicate matrix that has been created between ourselves and the sun. So it was cosmological on one level. And then I was saying that and seeing kept saying we have to go to sleep for a very long time now because there would be no there would be no incentive to incarnate if we could remember what we just lost and those voices
7: were go to sleep was to encrypt the information in the crystals interesting encrypt themselves an ethereal part of themselves into the crystals and that's what the crystal skull
6: represents okay now this skull the yes. skull you're speaking of or yes. keeper came to you when i met you in 11 11, right. 11 uh, uh, and you didn't and ask for it in, uh, A man from
7: Germany and a lady from Peru came up to me and they said this, I was lecturing just on these very subjects, and they said, he wants to be on the table where you're talking. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, put him on the table. Then uh, later on at four o'clock, I was done lecturing, they came back and they said, he still wants to be with you. Would you please uh, become his caretaker? And I told my wife, one will come to us, and, and sure enough, it was a, that's the a most powerful sign to me, right. uh, uh, and it's a sign of what we can get, and what we can expect, because we're so precious, following the spirit of us, we will be given gifts, we will be given help. And clear signs,
6: unmistakable. So let's talk and about him. Yeah. let's talk about. I, yeah, I want to. Right. Before we end this conversation, yeah. we still have time. I want to talk about what happened during that 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 phase of instability, where there was again a leaping off and an exodus to other parts of the world, yeah. especially into yeah. Egypt from Atlantis. Yeah. Those two cultures started yeah. clashing. Right. Before we go there, just give us a little bit of an idea of what the Earthkeeper skull has been bringing by way of memory.
7: It's in my life he has started to form my life. He, she has started to form my life and Noby's life. Your wife, it, Noby, Immediately yes. we were drawn toward Peru mm-hmm. because I was engaged not just with the Earthkeeper but the Mitchell Hedges skull yes. that was found in Lubahantun on the east coast of the Yucatan. And it is a sight unusual, it's more like a Peruvian sight, no mortar between the stones. Built like this, the the, the pyramids of Caral Supe, okay, uh, in ancient Peru, and Peru is older. The archaeological evidence is coming out older, although that's not for sure. Yeah, because a lot of land sunk in the Yucatan off
6: there. So he's taking you. He was he's been guiding you that direction. Of course, you don't know where you're going to be guided next. No. But the intelligence of it is pulling you forward no. into deeper understanding in
7: each of these. being sense enough to real, and then my daughter marries a guy from Peru, Dennis, oh. and all of a sudden. I am going to Peru again, so maybe and all of a sudden I'm studying about Peru, yeah. and because I'm being led in my study to another place, the Mulamurian place, Peru yes. is much more Mulamorean. Right. and so I'm led to a deeper level and the sense of smell, Yes. it's almost like I have to awaken a sense of smell that I have. And. Uh, You will have accidents in your life. um, Everything is so part of the plan of revelation. Every sickness that you have is designed by you. So in the Mayan calendar reading, a person says, I've been having trouble with my nose. I've had allergies and everything. I said, that's because you assigned that to yourself. That's the help given to you so that uh, great resonance center and a memory can be awakened in that area and that has to do with mula Murya and study mula Murya. this is what the mayan calendar reading does if it's an injury to the ear and so therefore the five places you have a powerful lifetime at that time and i didn't used to do this until i got earth keeper <laughs> It's different it's uh-huh. different because ancient memories are coming out of there and you're part of it you're you put yourself
6: into that crystal when, you, when you're sitting with someone doing a reading you mean the, the, the coming right of you. out of there through me mm-hmm. and, Interesting. and so I advise everyone to get a crystal skull a small one
7: a big one it doesn't make any difference get one and it doesn't one. matter that it was just carved
6: yesterday
7: crystal is crystal it's all millions of years old yes. it was all there and it's all planned to be there not only for our technology but for the original reason it came was to help us with uh, communication with other dimensions it's a help, it's almost like a Christ yes. it's a vehicle of the Christ and the ancient memories of all the souls who, like yourself who appeared and had to go away, couldn't stand it <laughs> where would be the place for the ethereal uh, beings to go inside crystal Interesting. it came out in the Superman movies remember, yes, yes, it's, it's, it's a memory. it's memory, it, it's there
6: so Atlanteans were very crystal based for yes. good and for negative, for destructive and for healing purposes yes. Yes. some of it was used in their great healing halls yes. for example which were very sophisticated forms of healing
7: you talked a lot about yes. that, about the temple beautiful yes. and the temple of sacrifice yes. and where people were eliminating some of the animal parts uh, uh, I guess to be more into the fourth creation yes. to be more part of it the uh, the only thing is it became
4: civilization was coming. have to be aware of what civilizations
7: and what beings Edgar Casey is talking to at the time too. Right to eliminate the parts. It's a purification. Edgar Casey is not an infallible source. Right. He met other beings up there called Holoo, for example, who said other things. And he said, uh, and, and Casey didn't. Would just tra- it's just a transmitter of information, right. And it's up to individual people. There's no right or wrong in Edgar Casey. There is just read it and see what your heart well, says.
6: And didn't each person attract the source it needed for its information right. that was given yes. in yes. that way? Because maybe there was a previous relationship. We have the wonderful
7: Metatron right. in our age, giving out information. We have the Skull Speaks, which is a book I highly recommend. By Carol Wilson Davis who talked about, who did readings, she was a uh, famous psychic in Canada. And she did readings in the 1980s with the Mitchell Hedges skull. Yes. And when you read it, you'll see Edgar the resonance of Edgar Casey is there.
6: When the last the last time Atlantis before the final destruction of Atlantis, yes. and my understanding is one of the last remaining physical places of Atlantis is actually a peak in the Azores. And there are others too, but there are remaining little yes. bits of. Yes. Now Edgar Casey and other beings have said during a period of history around now, and everybody's off on it a little bit, that Atlantis will be rising again. Yes. So there is something key about that, but let's talk about the migration to Egypt and then what happened spiritually with the initially clash of knowledge and power that were taking place from the Atlantean tribes coming in to what was existing in Egypt at that time. Yes. How did those two begin integrating, because no one really understands ancient uh, Egyptian history. Well, the Atlantean tribes are coming in with the Greeks, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Greek invasion,
7: Alexander, so their form of spirituality is coming through, and so the ancient knowledge of Egypt had to go underground, Mm -hmm. and that ancient knowledge is in the Sufis. Oh, interesting. Because later on, there was another conquest, the Arab conquest of Egypt, so it's way underground, and yet the Sufis are very powerful, yes. still alive and still there and without borders. And uh, there is a story, the ancient story of the Sufis, that they, when Muhammad was alive, they came to him, the ancient people, the and the high Atlantean knowledge yes. people, the followers of the one, came to Muhammad and they they talked about their beliefs. And Muhammad said not a word. This is a legend now. And Muhammad did
4: not speak but said assented with his eye. And that's why
7: the Sufi are still within that realm. Uh-huh. Okay. So very we have to look at that and realize we have to look carefully about uh, in the world and see the little things that are going on, not
4: not sometimes the great movements, but the movements in between them, and there
7: you will find the followers of the one.
6: Okay, so that takes us to even more modern history. We have Rumi, for example, who celebrated the Sufi tradition. December 17th. December (laughs) 17th, the the wedding day of Rumi's spirit and body. And this, I mean, if we're looking for modern literature to turn to, that we can relate to, the beauty and resonance in the Rumi writings might be a good place for us to turn, if we're were, if we looking for the ancient yes. Lemurian yes. Um, teachings. There
7: their ceremonies where they, the whirling dervishes moving in uh, the same direction as the earth, getting in tune with the earth, mm-hmm. not mind. Getting in tune with the earth and open that mind because, as Einstein said, all I did was study. I just studied and kept the mind open. I read in the patent office in Switzerland, he read every conceivable theory. And then he would be walking by a river or walking in the town, and all of a sudden, boom, he said, It came to me in full form, like music came to Mozart. It came, it's not mine it was never mine i just readied the mind so that the heart would trust me with it and send it up
6: yes and that's the key to us so in looking at um the information that's surfacing all of this from yes. all these different sources we seem to be at a turning point once again as you said a yes. lot of the technology. Yes. It hasn't fully been recovered. We're not really, maybe black ops in the military. But for public consumption, we're not using a lot of anti-gravity and such just yet. Although it is being done behind
7: closed doors. It's a pretty tough environment right now. And we're, um, you're going to see a lot of falling down. That's what I got from the 12-12-12 trip. There's a lot of falling down. and you look for signs, I... uh, you will see storms appearing. You will see earthquakes appearing. But they will not be my, my testimony coming from Egypt, uh, coming uh, when I was in Egypt and just doing a Mayan ceremony in front of the Great Pyramid. A boy fell off one of the blocks. And I was just doing the ceremony, and I looked up, I heard the screaming. He was slipping. He was okay. And so that was a sign to me. And then later on in the hotel, uh, two nights later, I was doing a Mayan ceremony, and three feet behind me, a woman fell. She just plopped onto the ground, and
1: she had... Hi there, welcome back to the Justific Ever show, and we didn't finish listening to the show on Gaia, on Edgar Casey. Atlantis with Raymond Tarpey. It's
7: almost like I have to wake in the sense of smell that I have. And uh, you will have accidents in your life. You are, um, everything is so part of the plan of Revelation. Every sickness that you have is designed by you. So in the Mayan calendar reading, a person says, I've been having trouble with my nose. I've had allergies and everything. I said, that's because you assign that to yourself that's the help given to you so that a great resonance center and a memory can be awakened in that area and that has to do with mula and study mula this is what the mayan calendar reading does if it's an injury to the ear and so therefore the five places you have a powerful lifetime at that time and i didn't used to do this until i got earth keeper it's different. It's uh-huh. different because ancient memories are coming out of there
6: and you're part of it. You are you put yourself into that crystal When you're sitting with someone doing a reading, you mean the, the, the Coming right op-edal. out of there through me. Mm-hmm. And, Interesting. And so I
7: advise everyone to get a crystal skull, a small one, a big one. It doesn't make any difference.
6: Get one. And it doesn't one. matter that it was just carved yesterday.
7: Crystal is crystal, it's all millions of years old, it was all there, and it's all planned to be there, not only for our technology, but for the original reason it came, was to help us
4: with uh, communication with other dimensions,
7: it's a help, it's almost like a Christ, it's a vehicle of the Christ, and the ancient memories of all the souls who, like yourself, who appeared and had to go away understand it.
4: Where would be the place for the ethereal beings to go? Inside
7: Crystal. It came out in the Superman movies, remember? Yes, yes, yes. It's in the memory. It's, an, it, it's there. So... The Atlanteans were very crystal-based,
6: for yes. good and for negative, for destructive and for healing purposes. Yes. Yes. Some of it was used in their great healing halls, yes. for example, which were very sophisticated for healing. Mr. Casey talked a lot about yes. that, about the temple, beautiful, yes. and the temple of sacrifice, yes. and where
7: people were. Eliminating some of their animal parts, uh, uh, I guess, to be more into the fourth creation, yes. to be more part of it.
1: The, their uh, animal parts. The
7: only thing is, it became I mean, civilization was coming. I have to be aware of junk. what civilizations and what beings Edgar Casey is talking to at the time, too. Right. To eliminate the parts It's a purification. Edgar Casey is not an infallible source. Right. He met other beings up there called Hallel, for example, who said other things I'm and he year, said year, uh, and and Casey didn't
4: would just tra- It's just a transmitter
7: of information. Right. And it's up to individual people. There's no right or wrong in Edgar Casey. There is just read it and see what your heart well, says.
6: And didn't each person attract the source it needed for its information right. that was given in yes. that way? Because maybe there was a previous relationship. We have the
7: wonderful Metatron right. in our age giving out information. We have The Skull Speaks, which is mm-hmm. a book I highly recommend by Carol Wilson Davis. Who talked about who did readings she was a uh, famous psychic in Canada and she did readings in the 1980s with the Mitchell hedges skull yes and when you read it you'll see Edgar the resonance of Edgar Casey is there
6: when the last the last time Atlantis before the final destruction of Atlantis yes. and my understanding is one of the last remaining physical places of Atlantis is actually a peak in the Azores and there are others too but there are remaining little bits yes. and yes. now Edgar Cayce and other beings have said during a period of history around now, and everybody's off on it a little bit, that Atlantis will be rising again. Yes. So there is something key about that. But let's talk about the migration to Egypt and then what happened spiritually with the initially clash of knowledge and power that were taking place. Literally, Latin tribes coming in to what was existing in Egypt at that time. Yes. How did As the Paul's those notes. two begin integrating, because no one really understands. Ancient uh, Egyptian history. Well, the Atlantean tribes are coming in with the Greeks, mm-hmm.
7: uh, the Greek invasion, Alexander. So their form of spirituality is coming through. And so the ancient knowledge of Egypt had to go underground.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: And that ancient knowledge is in the Sufis.
6: Oh, interesting.
7: Because later on, there was another conquest, the Arab conquest of Egypt, so it's way underground. And yet, the Sufis are very powerful, yes. still alive and still there and without borders. And uh, there is a story, the ancient story of the Sufis, that they, when Muhammad was alive, they came to him, the ancient people, Mulamurian and the high Atlantean, knowledge yes. people, the followers of the one came to Muhammad and they they talked about their beliefs and Muhammad said not a word, this is a legend now, and Muhammad did not speak but said assented with his eye and that's why the Sufi are still within that realm uh-huh. okay. so it's very, we have to look at that and realize, we have to look carefully about uh, in the world and see the little things that are going on, not not sometimes the great movements, but the movements
6: in between them. And there you will find the followers of the one. Okay, so we, that takes us to in more modern history. We yeah. have Rumi, for example, who celebrated the Sufi tradition. December 17th. December yeah. 17th, <laughs> the, the wedding day yeah. of Rumi's yes. spirit and body. And this, I mean, if we're looking for Modern literature to turn to that we can relate to—the beauty and resonance in the Rumi writings might be a good place for us to turn. If we were, if we're looking for the ancient yes. Lemurian yes. Um, teachings, their their ceremonies, but they mm-hmm.
7: move the whirling dervishes, yes. moving in uh, the same direction as the earth, getting in tune with the earth, mm-hmm. not mind getting in tune with the earth, and open that mind, because as Einstein said, all I did was study. I just studied and kept the mind open. I read in the patent office in Switzerland, he read every conceivable theory, and then he would be walking by a river or walking in the town, and all of a sudden, boom! He said, it came to me in full form, like music came to Mozart. Right. It came, it's not mine. It was never mine. I just readied the mind so that the heart would trust me with it and send it out. Yes. And that's the key to us.
6: So, in looking at... Um, the information that's surfacing, all of this, from yes. all these different sources, we seem to be at a turning point once again. As you said, a yes. lot of the technology, yes. is it hasn't fully been recovered. We're yes. not really, it may be black ops in the military, yeah. but for public consumption, we're not using yeah. a lot of anti-gravity and such yeah. just yet. Although it is being done behind it's, closed it's doors. Pretty tough.
7: It's a pretty tough environment right yes. now. And we're, um, you're going to see a lot of falling down. That's what I got from the 12-12-12 trip. If there's a lot of falling down, and you look for signs. I, uh, you will see storms appearing. You will see earthquakes appearing. But they will not be my, my testimony coming from Egypt, uh, coming uh, when I was in Egypt and doing a Mayan ceremony in front of the Great Pyramid. A boy fell off one of the blocks and I was just doing the ceremony and I looked up, I heard the screaming he was limping he was okay And so that was a sign to me and then later on in the hotel uh, two nights later I was doing a Mayan ceremony and three feet behind me a woman fell she just plopped onto the ground and she had no apparently there was no Epilepsy. She said, no, I don't have epilepsy, but she survived. And so that's metaphorical for what you were. That's how signs come. So
6: it was a falling down, but a
7: survival. That's what I'm getting. We're going to get minor adjustments. Mm -hmm. I'm glad of that because, as I said to you before, I'm involved here. <laughs> yes. I, I always say in my lectures, I'm into minor adjustments, right. because I think new souls are coming. I think we're getting a lot of help. Think of all the people that work with animals, that work with plants, all the all the channelers that are coming through. We didn't see this number. The internet is loaded now. Before Edgar Casey was a standard in the Theosophical Society, they stood alone. Yes. And so when I was at the eleven 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 Crystal Cole crystal Skull Convention, I said how young people a lot of young people are attracted to the Crystal Skulls. Yes. More than all people. Right. So it's a vehicle. And so I said, How many people have heard of Andrew Casey? Ninety percent raised their hands. Yes. So that's how I knew stay with that organization because they are a foundation, a, a state driven into the ground for memory.
6: And as you say, this memory is rising. It's coming up through all these different means. We're remembering the opportunity to reconnect directly, vertically, with our other dimensional aspects that are, as you say, noble, beautiful creators. And simultaneously, if we want to assign separation and names to it, the sons of... Belial, right, are also offering mass trauma and hypnosis. The Hollywood depictions of our future yes. are absolutely catastrophic, yes. devastating, yes. apocalyptic yes. visions and television shows. This yes. is being reinforced that we're going to go through a total collapse Fear of civilization. Fear
7: control. Machiavelli said it a long time ago. It is, it is, it is, it is uh, uh, the underside of statecraft is that to control and to Make people afraid and create an elite,
6: what and the
7: society will fall and will become top-heavy.
6: As a philosopher, how do you, how do you view? I mean, there's an obvious level to it. How do you view that game of idea. programming the
1: public <coughs> the to accept the uh,
7: it is more We can make in you famous, the, but you have to. It is more in the Eurasian field someone you love. than it is in the Mayan field. For the so Maya, a oh, it's love a natural so cycle. It's just going to occur <laughs> again and again. For the Eurasian field, it's a straight-line uh, evolution through history. The history of salvation, it's called. But for the Maya, we are invited again and again. We can stop it.
6: Well, that's it's the question. It's
7: an invitation to stop it if we can network with each other. If we can, as the early Christians said, they were one community it's when they started to get into the state and make it into a state religion and state precepts that it starts to go down it is a grassroots thing and then we succeed
6: and right now looking around uh, sadly these all the human beings these beautiful individual creators and souls that are all equal to each other yeah. I I mean, just if you're going to put a label on it, it looks like more than 90%, 98% of human beings are allowing these other forces to control them. Many people watching this, we've all been subject to that. We're all coming out of our forgetfulness, that long sleep I spoke about earlier. And it's always been a critical few. Yes. It
7: doesn't have to be the majority, it can be just a critical few that do it, that can create a network and a resonance that all of a sudden they're feeling it. They don't know where it's coming from. They feel they go Something else is afoot. It destabilizes them. And in the Mayan ball game is a metaphor for the battle to be fought. It is a, even when the odds are stacked against you, 10 million to one, the creator loves that the best when you have the gall, the guts to make a play. Help will come. We're not to consider the forces arrayed against us. We're only to fulfill our mission, and we're doing it right now with this program.
6: So we have just a minute or so left. Any kind of final um, thoughts that you would like to share regarding reclaiming the mind, reclaiming the self? To reclaim
7: the mind is to go into your own study. Begin studying where your passion is. I don't care where it is. If it's golf... Be a golf professional. If you can't be the great golf player, be in the golf business. But study it completely and utterly. That study of golf will lead you right to the spiritual. Everything goes to the spiritual at bottom. And you can do your work and you can be the expert in that area. You About will not politics, look for jobs. Comedy, the job will come
6: looking for you when you study. R. You control the world. That makes sense. When you put your complete Progressive soul your passion into anything yeah. now you have a vibrant planet yeah. and you need golf professionals and as much be at as you need a party and there you'll something that okay. the person has not heard before Says, i want you that's because that's you're involved it in your life that's right and so any expression because you have the passion so it's whether a you're a mother, yeah. whether yeah. you're a lawyer, it doesn't yes. matter what we are. Yeah. You're saying involve your passion your completely plans. because then we can hear.
1: Campbell uh, says.
6: As always, absolutely wonderful <laughs> speaking thank you, with Jesus. you, everybody. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. And if you didn't see our first one on Human Origins, you can find that in the Guy TV archives. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Guy TV.
1: Human Origins. Wow, that sounds great. I'm So, okay I found it. It's called Mysterious Origins of Humans with Raymond Tarpe. Origins of the human species is more complex than Western religion or Darwinian suggests. When we look to ancient and eastern cultures, the legends of Mu, Lemuria, and Atlantis offer an even more complex picture. There are lessons to learn and contracts to fulfill based on the agreements we made before we were born into our specific theaters of incarnation. Historian Raymond Taipi reveals the mysterious origins of humanity and the roles we agreed to before our lives on Earth in this interview with Regina Meredith. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Arizona and kpy YouTube Travel Radio on the Rats with Trista Show. Pasqualeaqui family, and Tono Anthem, and Navajo, and Hopi, Apache, you name it. Okay, here's a song that's in my head right now. Uh, okay, so it's, uh the, uh, the microphone is just very heavily distorted. Uh-huh. It's got kind of like a funky beat, like, Dun. it's kind of like a, like a violin in the background,
4: like,
1: Dun. You see a tribulation In the state of the nation There's such tribulation But don't let that break your concentration